is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. Advent has not even begun yet, but already the stores have Christmas decorations and the commercials are all over TV. Is it too much to hope that we might focus for a little while on the meaning of Christmas? Well, with us today on the show is Adam Anders, the writer and director of a new movie about the greatest story ever told, The Birth of Jesus. Our guest is the writer and director of Journey to Bethlehem, which opens in theaters November 10th. Adam Anders is a Swedish film, television, and music producer who's sold more than 100 million albums and in recent years has become one of the most in-demand executive producers for music-driven film and television. And now Anders will make his directorial debut with the film Journey to Bethlehem, a musical retelling of the Nativity Story, co-written by Peter Barsocchini and Anders himself, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, and Antonio Banderas. Anders was executive uh, music producer for Glee, the musical comedy drama series. So he's got some chops in this. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks for having me. There have been a lot of Christmas movies over the years, including some that have been based on scripture. Uh, Not Frosty and the Snowman, obviously, but others that have. (laughs) Uh, Journey to Bethlehem seems to be a new take on this. It's a musical with new songs woven in with some of our traditional Christmas classics, uh, though with some new arrangements on those even. What inspired you to make this movie now? Well, uh, I first had the idea 17 years ago, believe it or not. Okay, so not now. <laughs> yeah, not now. Uh, it, it, that's what's funny about it. But I think the timing is right now. Um, and it wasn't then. I wasn't ready to make this movie 17 years ago when I had the idea. But it was just honestly, uh, I was visiting my wife's family in Iowa at Christmas and couldn't find anything to watch. And and being coming from the music you know, side of things, I was like, there's got to be a musical about the nativity. And there wasn't. I'm like, why hasn't anyone done this? It seems so simple to me. It was like right there in front of me. Why, why isn't there? Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I've got this brilliant idea that nobody's thought of. And I thought, honestly, all these years I've been trying to make this, I kept thinking somebody's going to do it before me. Somebody's going to do it. Nobody ever did it in 17 years. And I couldn't believe it. Um, so during COVID, okay. Uh, I finally had time to sit down and, and 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 reflect on why it hasn't been made and what did I have wrong in the scripts that we have come before and whatever, and had those six months to really just only work on this. And that's the version now that you see coming out in theaters. Um, and it all just changed uh, for that time. So Coben wasn't all bad. It actually was a, a good thing for me to get to uh, push away all the distractions and and really focus on this movie finally really dive into the story as it were uh like frank morgan who played the wizard and several other characters in the wizard of oz you wear a lot of hats for this movie you're producer (laughs) director composer you're singer in the choir did i miss anything there no it's crazy man. yeah it's too much how did you juggle all of that man i'm still trying uh i'm tired i need a sabbatical after this um you know it just kind of happened that way i first was just producing it and i had the idea and I was trying to bring in people to write it and do different things. Then, I ended up, well, 
no, it should be this. And I started writing and I've always done music. So the music was natural. Um, and that's what I wanted to do from the beginning. My wife and I write, wrote all the songs together. We, we love uh, Christmas. Our first date was writing a song. Uh, so we've been writing songs for, for over 20 years. How neat is that? And so doing the music was natural. That's just what I do. Uh, producing it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, writing the screenplay, I hadn't done that at that time, um, but that's something I got into in the last seven years and, and started getting better at. And um, directing was one thing people had asked me to do, and I'd always resisted because I was like, no, it takes too much time. I won't be able to produce. I won't be able to do the music. I won't be able to do other projects I want to do. I have to put everything away and just work on this. And I wasn't willing to do it until I finished the script in COVID. And I went, wow, I have to do this. I have to direct this. And I just felt very strongly I was supposed to do it. And that's kind of unlocked everything. So you had a vision. I kind of did. Well, I think the, the initial vision 17 years ago was like tattooed on my heart. I couldn't let it go. And we all, as creatives, you have good ideas, you have bad ideas. You try to do things, they fall apart. Oh, that wasn't such a good idea. But, you know, whatever. And you move on to the next idea. That's what we do. For some reason, this is one I have not been able to let go of all these years. And I think that was because it wasn't time to do it yet. But he, you know, God wanted to keep this uh, idea fresh and, and ready to go when it was time. Yeah. Uh, you were executive producer, as I mentioned, for Glee, the musical comedy drama TV series. Your music was a big part of High School Musical. Journey to Bethlehem has it, its own elements of comic relief, uh, especially mm. the Magi, but a few mm. other things. Uh, how do you blend these kinds of elements in a musical about the birth of Jesus? It's a tricky thing, and you're going to get people on all sides of these things saying, you didn't do this right, or you did that wrong, whatever. And right. what I tell people, I didn't make a documentary, right? Uh, I didn't. Uh, I say in the beginning, inspired by a true story. So two things to note there. One, it's inspired by. It's not exact. It's an artist, you know, interpretation. Like all the great paintings in history have the wise men there when the baby's born, but they weren't there, right? right? right. But we've accepted it as this artist representation. It's beautiful. It's symbolic. It is something we've accepted. So I thought I can take that creative freedom as well. Um, but what I also say is it's a true story. And that tells you the filmmaker believes this is true. Um, so that's very important to me to say in the beginning of the film. But, you know, I know having done now for 20 years, worked in film and TV, making family content and other content, you know, you have to have comedy. You have to have a love story. There's certain elements you have to have to have a successful movie. Um, and for me, it was right there. There's Mary and Joseph, the original Romeo and Juliet. You know, Joseph stayed with Mary and took the stain of her supposed, you know, sin upon him. And that's a huge thing. Like, why did he do that? Why did he stay with her when he could have walked away? Um, Mary's journey, you know, that's an amazing thing people don't talk about very much. You know, there's mm -hmm. not that much in the Bibles, Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2. And I felt like, you know, there's a love story there. There's something we can talk about. Did they marry for duty or for love? Well, let's explore that mm -hmm. uh, in a way that people can relate to. And it's all about making it relatable. Yeah, and you address those. You address those, you know, Joseph deals with that in, in his dream with kind of both sides mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. of his of his psyche on mm -hmm. that. Uh, Mary in the Gospels just simply says she went to visit her, her cousin Elizabeth. Yeah. It, yeah. You take that journey with mm -hmm. her to Hebron mm -hmm. and yeah. where she she goes through her struggle. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, you've you've kind of extrapolated from that. But I, I mm -hmm. like what you've done with the characters to develop them. In ways that you think, well, the scripture is complete. Well, yeah, but for this purpose, you need to know more. Yeah, and it's, you know, what I try to do is uh, live in the in-betweens, as I call it, in between the scriptures. And right. and if we're, if we're honest, you know, it doesn't, like you just said, they don't, it, it doesn't say much. Right. It doesn't say why Joseph stayed. 
it doesn't say how Mary felt, what she said, you know, personally, it's like, there's, there's so many little details that we can just put ourselves in their shoes and just imagine. I'm not saying it's exactly what happened. I just imagined what if, right. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's just, it's, it's a great thing to do because if people see themselves in these characters, they'll, they'll push into the story. They'll lean in and they'll want to know more. Um, and it's all about, you know, you know, all the great movies, we relate to the characters and that's what makes you lean in and want to hear more about the movie and, mm -hmm. or, or keep watching the movie. And, and, and like the comic relief, I felt like I had that built in with the Wiseman, the three stooges, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's how I, and that's for the kids, you know, every time the movie gets too serious, I inject comedy. Um, so I can keep the kids engaged. Uh, I had a built in villain with Herod. Absolutely. You know, it, so it was all there for me, um, but it's definitely tricky because I know how sacred this text is and how much it means to so many people, including me. Um, there's a reason there's so many denominations of Christianity because we don't really agree on everything. Um, so I couldn't really make this movie for everyone because then I make it for no one. Right. So I just did the best I could as a believer and as an artist. Mm -hmm. And you've got that, you, you mentioned the natural bad guy, you know, built into mm -hmm. the story. Years ago, I was in a production uh, in in Arizona that was basically 2,000 years of Christian history and 90 minutes of song and dance. And I played mm -hmm. a lot of the bad guys. I played a devil's minion and and some other things. And one of the, the women who was working on costumes said, how can you be the bad guy here? You know, why, you know, how do you do that? And I said, well, there are bad guys in this, in this story, in our Christian story. And we need to see that balance of good and evil mm -hmm. as part of that. So mm -hmm. uh, was for you, was it, bold or daring to try to fill in where the evangelists didn't didn't have details it was um you know that's the scary thing and and um anytime you take on a story like this you know you kind of have a target on your back yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely scary but you know i have, a, I have an oscar-winning director friend um who said something to me because i was struggling with this i was struggling with the timeline and the wise men you know and all this this stuff and man i want it to be accurate but i need it to be good and he just kind of stopped and he said he said adam no one's going to remember this movie if the timeline is accurate they're going to remember it if it's great make a great movie mm -hmm. and that really resonated with me i'm like you know it gave me the freedom to just you know i have to just let go and I have to do it and, and hope that i'm you know and i would pray all the time like you know that I would be, uh, God would work through me and that he would guide me in what to fight for and what to let go of. Even on set, you know, when the studio's there and they're saying you should do this or do that. And it was every day it was like, you know, give me wisdom, God, to fight for the things you want me to fight for and let go of the other things, you know. Um, and that's, it's kind of what I was doing all along is just uh, hoping that um, to kind of remove myself from it and, and uh, let God work through me and through this movie. And you acknowledge at the end of the movie and the, the tagline, you know, before the credits roll that, you know, we took some creative license, but we're true mm -hmm. to the story. And I think that's, that, right. that's what shines through is that you're true to the fact that this is a story about a, a baby who was born to save the world. You know, that's right. That's that's where you're at. And that's what we should focus on. And that's that's what the movie's focus is. And, you know, I made this very much. Um, obviously, Christians will love this movie, but. Uh, I made it for everyone else too. I, I, it was very important to me to make a movie where you can bring your friends and neighbors and, you know, bringing them to church is hard sometimes. Right. But okay. taking them to the theater is not. So here's a movie at Christmas. If you, if your friends like Christmas, but they're not, maybe not believers, they're going to love this movie. If they like music. They're going to love this movie. If they like Antonio Banderas. They're going to love, the movie, you know what I mean? <laughs> Go see this movie and see what Christmas is about, you know, instead of elf, you know, elf is great, but 
you know, I think Christmas, you gather, you gather with your grandparents, your grandkids, your uncles, your cousins, we all come together. What do we watch? I wanted to make a movie for my family to all sit down and watch something. And then it's for your family to do the same. And I hope that's what people will do with it. That's a good good thought. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Adam Anders, who is director uh, and writer and all sorts of other things for the new movie, Journey to Bethlehem. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The cholera epidemic that ravaged Baltimore in the summer of 1832 was one of the worst public health crises the city ever faced. The horrifying diarrheal disease afflicted countless people, ultimately claiming the lives of 853 Baltimoreans, more than 1% of what was then the second largest city in the country. Two women's religious communities ministered to those afflicted with the disease, the Sisters of Charity, a religious community founded by St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg that was then limited to whites, and the Oblate Sisters of Providence, the world's first sustained religious community for black women founded by Venerable Mother Mary Lang in Baltimore. While both communities made heroic contributions to save lives, it was the white religious community that received most of the accolades. Dennis Castillo, a professor of church history at St. Mary's Seminary and University in Roland Park, noted that the Sisters of Charity received at least seven forms of public recognition, including a city council resolution and the erection of a monument to the Sisters of Charity the council described as a receptacle for the remains of two members of the religious community who died of the disease. Yet the black religious sisters who lost a member of their community who gave her life treating victims of the disease did not receive the same level of public acknowledgement other than a resolution from the Trustees for the Poor and an official report from the same organization. More than 190 years later, Catholic and civic leaders are rectifying that disparity. The Baltimore City Council passed a resolution October 30th honoring the Oblate Sisters of Providence for their 194 years of service. The resolution, supported by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, was presented on the 191st anniversary of the death of Oblate Sister Anthony Dushiman. Sister Anthony cared for Baltimore Archbishop James Whitfield when he was struck with the disease. She later contracted cholera herself after nursing the Archbishop's housekeeper. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Holiness is a gift everyone receives with baptism, and it is a journey to be made together with the help of the saints in heaven, Pope Francis said on the Feast of All Saints. The saints are our elder brothers and sisters, whom we can always count on, he said, before reciting the Angelus with people gathered in St. Peter's Square, November 1st. Holiness is a gift from God, which we have received with baptism, Pope Francis said. If we let it grow, it can completely change our life. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. 
We are back on Catholic Review Radio talking with Adam Anders, director of the new movie, Journey to Bethlehem, which opens in theaters November 10th. Adam, you and your wife, Nikki, who co-wrote the music, have done some interesting things with the songs. In Joseph's Dream, which I mentioned earlier, you pair the Immaculate Conception with the Ultimate Deception uh, because mm. he's he's not sure he's mm. been deceived. Uh, in Herod's song, he pridefully and ironically sings, mine is the kingdom, mine is the power, mine is the glory. How did your view of the story of Christ shape the script and these songs? You know... That's a great question. I, it was in the middle of everything, you know. Um, uh, I feel like every song um, was inspired. You know, it, we've written a lot of songs over the years. I, I think I, I said, you know, we've been writing songs since our first date. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was different. This, this was um, Christmas is so important to both of us um, that every song we approached very differently. And, and we're, we were trying um, to have our faith come through in these songs, even when the songs aren't all about, you know, they're not all Christian songs or Christmas songs, even they're telling a story within the movie. Right. But even that um, there's a lot of layers to the songs. There's a lot of symbolism. And I love that you noticed those two flips that we do. You know, one of the first ideas I had for this movie was to take the Lord's prayer and have Herod, you know, as, as the villain to say, mine is the king mine is the glory, mine is the power. And at the end we turn it around and say, no, no, thine is the power, thine is the glory. Um, to baby Jesus. Yeah. I think it's very powerful. He tries to claim that and, and mm -hmm. we know it's not true. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful. And, and, and yeah, even the ultimate deception, that song, um, Joseph is struggling because part of him, for some reason, he's like, I'm supposed to be with her, but everything in the world is telling me no. Yeah. Like on the surface, you're like, what are you talking about? You know, she's pregnant and you know, it's not your child. Right. Um, she should be stoned. What are you doing? So I wanted to explore this inner battle that he was having when his parents, everyone's telling him to leave her and he's something in him is saying, no, you can't leave her. You need to be with her. And then Gabriel comes to him through that song and visits him. I don't know if you caught that the way we yeah. did a very, very stylized. Um, but um, it's a very cool concept because, you know, it says Gabriel came to him in a dream. So what if that dream was this song, this moment where he's battling himself and then Gabriel at the end says, this is what you need to believe. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was really fun to have our faith come through in these songs in a layered and an artistic way that hopefully, um, like you said, gets the message across. It, it, it's um, That's what it's all about. You know? mm -hmm. These characters place a lot of trust in the Lord, even when they're confused or frightened, which I think was really very helpful. There's many examples, including when Mary tells Joseph at one point that she's not the only one who's chosen by the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. Did you have to trust in God that you could tell this story well? hundred <laughs> percent. Oh man. Um, it was a big step of faith, um, to even to step into the director's chair. Um, you know, I didn't know if I could do it, you know, frankly, I, I, it's, it was scary. I'd never done it. Um, but I knew in my heart, I had to, I had to try. And I think we have to be okay to fail. Sometimes we just have to. And, um, and I was okay to fail every day, as long as I learned something from it. Um, and that's kind of the approach I took and I was open. I, I surrounded myself with amazing people. Um, and, uh, you know, when you are open and you let God lead you, it's amazing what he can do. And, and, you know, one of the themes of this movie is God has much bigger plans for you than you can even dream. And my career, I started as a bass player. That was my dream. I'm going to be a bass player. And I could never imagine I'd be directing and writing feature films. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just crazy. So I'm living proof that it's true. You know, if we have faith and have patience 
and trust God and are willing to take that step. We have to do our part. You know, we, we, he's not just going to move us to where we need to go on. (laughs) He's not going to do that. We're not puppets. Right. And, you know, we have to be willing to take that step. And I did. And it's so rewarding to see what has come from that step of faith. Mm -hmm. I assume that almost everyone involved in the production was a believer in Christ. Uh, Did that affect the days on the set and the, the way you produced journey to Bethlehem? You know, what's funny is, um, that was not a prerequisite for me. Um, I never asked anyone if they were believers. I just, for me, it's like, do you care about this movie? Do you want to be a part of it? You know what it's about. I wouldn't ask people, are you a Christian or, you know, whatever. I'm mm-hmm. like, first of all, I'd look at the resumes because, you know, having worked in Hollywood at the highest level with all the best people, I want the best people. Right. And then they have to decide if they want to be involved in a project like this. And if they want to be there, then they were welcome to be there. And I think that can be a mission field in a way, right? And I would say, Definitely in Spain, there were a lot of Catholics in the in the crew and the cast, uh, but there were also a lot of people who weren't believers. Um, there were a lot of, you know, in post in L.A., there were some Christians, but some who weren't, but they were moved by the movie. They loved it. The whole experience of making it together was a different experience for everyone. They felt that this was different, you know, and, and uh, I think that is kind of a cool thing when you bring people together from all walks of life, from all parts of the world, different faiths. And they're working together, rowing in the same direction to tell this story of all things, mm-hmm. right? And what what God did with that on a daily basis on set was incredible. I started the first day and I told everyone, I don't know where your faith is, and I, but I can tell you your director is a man of faith and I'm praying for us and I'm praying for you and this movie every day. I just want you to know that that's how we're, I'm starting this day. And um, it was powerful. Mm-hmm. The cast is fabulous. The voices, obviously, for a musical, you've got to have really good voices. That's great. Mm. The cinematography is wonderful. Uh, why did you choose Spain to, to film as a stand-in for the deserts of Israel? Well, uh, I visited Israel. I, I scouted there. I'd actually had a, a crazy idea to shoot there. Um, but obviously, that became very difficult. Um, but it was great that I went because I had what it actually looked like in my mind's eye. And I'm like, well, where can we go? A lot of people go to Morocco. But that's very desert. There's no green. There's no anything. <laughs> it's just, and that's where most biblical movies are shot. But I didn't want that look because most biblical movies are that. They're sheep grazing in dirt, you know, staff, sandals, nobody smiles. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to make a colorful, vibrant celebration of Christmas. Where can I do that? And I had scouted Spain for a different movie. And uh, I thought, you know what? It's on the Mediterranean. Uh, the people look very similar. This could be it. And in Almeria, Spain... I knew, you know, uh, Indiana Jones was shot there, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, Game of Thrones, Exodus. So many movies have been shot there. I'm like, let's check that out. And it looked exactly like Israel when I visited. So like, this is it. We have to do it here. Great. Um, I have to tell you, I got chills when Joseph prepared the stable. With the, mm. I'm getting chills now talking about it with yeah. the manger and the swaddling clothes. The Magi's mm. assistant starts singing Silent Night while Fig the donkey keeps watch back and forth across the stable uh. entry. I just, the pure white lamb in the fields with the Magi is also foretelling. I've got chills as we're talking about mm. it. Mm. Uh, do you hope this movie touches people in new ways about the nativity story that we all know so well? hundred percent. Um, I love that you get emotional with it because I've seen it a thousand times in that moment still gets me emotional. Does it? <laughs> um, it's powerful. It's so powerful. And, um, that vision 
that was so clear to me from the beginning how I wanted to shoot that and what I wanted to look like. And I remember when we were, we were doing our tech scout and I was telling the crew, this is what I want to do. And I turned the music on and I'm running around, I'm saying, and now we go here and now we go there. And then this happens. And then Mary's here. And then we pull the camera on me, all this stuff. And I finished and I look around, everyone's crying. Okay. I'm like, okay, we've got something. <laughs> this is amazing. So it, just it was from the really, description of it. Yeah. Just, just from, from the description. I hadn't even shot it yet. We haven't shot a frame and, um, it's so beautiful, um, and it's so moving and, um, it's just, I don't know, it, it, it's just this, I think for us, obviously what it means and what it symbolizes is so powerful, but when you see it like that and you see what they went through and you, you just see it all come together, it's really uh, special and magical and beautiful. And, um, man, it really moves me to, to see uh, how much it moves you. And I, I hope it moves everyone. And I think what we're finding is that moment. And all these test screenings I've done around the country, I've done 118 of them or something crazy. Everyone's crying, you know, believers or non-believers, it doesn't matter. It is emotional. It's powerful. It's a powerful story. It's the greatest story ever told. Mm -hmm. Adam, are you hoping this becomes a Christmas classic and available for streaming <laughs> at the holidays every year, you know, after it, it finishes its theatrical run this year? Well, yeah, of course. Um, like I said, I hope every year families will gather and watch this. This becomes a tradition. Um, it's a little egotistical to say it. I made a classic, you know, <laughs> but of course that was the goal. We'll know that in 25 years. Yeah. We'll know that, right. You know, I can't say that, but my hope and dream of course, is that this becomes a part of people's, um, you know, Christmas routine, you know, every, every year, yeah, let's watch Journey to Bethlehem and be reminded of what Christmas is about. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing the, the story with us. Uh, we have been talking today with Adam Anders, who is director of the new movie, Journey to Bethlehem, which opens in theaters November 10th. Uh, it's going to be all over the place. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. This is Chris Gunty of The Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love. <laughs>